us again, and we have a very exciting show planned for you tonight. All of us are in the room. We do have Michael Marcellanus, myself, Bruce Taylor, Stacey, Sean Haley, and Zach Stickney. And later on, we will have a special guest join us for Zach's new uh, segment that we're going to be naming later. We'll get onto that later, but we're going to have a little bit of pro talk. We're going to have Richard Bushway, ACL Pro, and fellow teammate on the Texas Bully Baggers, which made their television debut and the the whole team concept made a debut this weekend. So we'll be talking about that this weekend as well. But let's go ahead and start out with our friend Sean Haley, who did have an exciting regional this weekend, and he looks great tonight. I love your jersey, Sean. How you doing, bud? I love it. Yeah, doing great. You guys doing great? I'm doing great. Uh, we had a great weekend here in Derry, New Hampshire. We had... Uh... ACL Northeast Regional. We had a great turnout, and it was funny because all the pros were gone to the pro event. So it, it made for an interesting event, right? You had a lot of players that showed up and participated in the open division, and they kind of, you know, they played well. Uh, the venue was a little bit cooler, and the boards were lightning fast. So we had a lot of high you know, PPRs, but um, yeah, it was an awesome time, and it was great to. Uh, Kind of get back to Derry. We're at the New England Sports Center in Derry, New Hampshire. And we had a, a great afternoon of bags for the ACL Northeast Regional number six. How was attendance and how do you think the pros being off impacts that? Do you think attendance is greater when the pros are around because they want that experience? Or do you think, well, the cat's away, the mice are going to play and you get a, a better attendance? How, do you think that factors I, in? I honestly don't think it did. I think it just, they saw that there was an opportunity to get regional points and players showed up for that. So we had players from, uh, we had Vermont, we had Maine, we had New Hampshire. We did have players that you know kind of came from all over, but I think it was mostly because there wasn't much else going on that weekend. So I think that's what you're seeing with a lot of the uh, regional type of events. Um, I know we have a lot of regional directors nowadays and players can kind of pick and choose where they want to go play. But for this one here, there wasn't much else going on that day. And a lot of the pros were gone. So uh, we had, a you know, we probably 90 to 100 players that showed up for Derry, New Hampshire. And uh, we had some kind of new names that kind of hit the podium for the open division. Uh, normally you would see a lot of the pros kind of hit that top spot, but I, it, it was a great time. We had a lot of fun. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of us were actually following the teams event that the ACL had going on. Because uh, it was kind of going on at the same time, so we were kind of. I had people coming over. How are the woodchucks doing? How are you know how are these guys doing? So we were kind of following the ACL kind of pro event at the same time. So it, it was a fun afternoon in Derry for sure. It's awesome. I I spent the weekend working up at camp and had a lot of fun just doing my own thing. But I did take a break Friday night. And watch some action on CBS Sports with uh, Cornhole. Got to watch Zach Stickney, which is what I stayed up for. And we'll talk a little bit later about the team events. I have my own feelings on how all of that went. And then Sunday, and I got to watch Emily Downer and Nick Petusky, among others, play. But of course, we're we're rooting for our local players and the Wicked Cornhole players. So I wanted to make a point to at least check it out. So the TV coverage was excellent, and we have a lot of famous people that got some national coverage this weekend on the Wicked team. No, that's that's great. That because we do streaming here, and I don't have access to any of the channels that this event was on. So I was trying to load up like the score zone from the actually the ACL event to try to follow like, you know, points as they were being scored and stuff. But I had no video. I, I couldn't see what was going on, which can, kind of bummed me out. I, I was excited to kind of watch it. But, you know, 
I heard some good stuff about it and I heard some stuff that was, you know, just kind of, you know, it was an event. So I'd be curious to see what everyone else kind of thinks about it. Yeah, it was fun to watch, but I do have feedback. But speaking of feedback, let's move on to Michael. Michael, how are you, my friend? I'm living the dream. How about you, Bruce? Good. <laughs> I have a question when you answer that because I, I frankly hate that. It sounds it is sounds it sarcastic. Good. Yeah. Are you really living the dream? Do you wake up every day thankful for your life or is that just a cynical retort to my question, which is genuine. I really want you to be doing well and I'm wondering how you're doing. So are you really living the dream? No, I think that's just become the standard uh, older millennial white male response whenever you ask. Is sure. Living the dream. I started yeah, saying we- it as a I started saying it as a joke to be honest with you, and then I started responding and now there's like a meme about it that I I think is true. Like as soon as someone asks, I can't even say anything before I just spit out living the dream. Yeah. No, it's a good answer, I guess. My body's like, don't do it, don't do it. But by then, I'm already living the dream. Yeah, it's standard stuff. Well, we all never want to tell the truth when we're asked how we're doing. I mean, everybody's no, and great. no, no one, uh, no one wants the answer. There's a whole stand-up yeah. special by Tom Segura about that. He says if you answer, if someone asks how you're doing in small talk, and you actually answer, you're an asshole. Yeah. So, I've actually, <laughs> I've come up, I've, I crafted my own great answer, which in my mind. Um, kind of filters out all the shit. I, uh, my answer is depending on which aspect of my life you want to talk about, which think about that. I mean, my life is made up of many different aspects and some of it's a friggin' shit show and some of it's awesome. So <laughs> yeah. I, what do you want to know? <laughs> I, I used to say, I can't complain. And even if I did, you don't want to hear it. Yeah. So anyway, so you live in the dream. Well, that's good. That's Something good. Like it. On the surface, it's good anyway. But um, so last week we got... A lot of great feedback about last week's episode. We um, we introduced Zach's new segment, so which we're going to come out with in a little while. We're going to go over that contest we launched. That got a nice response. And we have Zach back here because we're going to start uh, his segment just learning about his trip out to Corpus Christi and all that went on there. And we'll have, we'll have Rich Bushway hop on to uh, talk that out. And then I think people are excited about that. But also we... We landed on some sort of accidental segment with the Facebook reaction part, and we decided to go with that. We had a lot of fun doing that and responding to Facebook to generate content that's already hot out there. So do you have any, for this week, do you have any content, any Facebook reactions that we can we can talk about? Yeah, I think so. I think we agreed we're going to call it the Facebook Live Reactions is the name of the new segment, if you will, for the show. I like it. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as well as last week where there was a post literally happening and blowing up as we were recording, which was kind of the ideal situation. Uh, But so we have two posts this week that we are going to touch on. The first one, I went back and I looked and I'm pretty sure whoever posted it ended up doing the dirty delete because I could not find it anywhere. I've tried searching 10 different keywords that I remember from it, different groups, and I can't find it. Uh, But I just kind of wanted to get the reaction of everyone on that was during the Jacob Gore-Devin Harbaugh match in the semifinals. They took a TV timeout after uh, Jacob got 11 points. And there was this whole big conspiracy on Facebook that the ACL didn't want him to win. They wanted Devin Harbaugh to win. Um, The TV timeout was Bush League. It was a distraction to him. They interviewed him and took him out of the game, and that's the reason that he lost, which I thought was hysterical because it's just another case of people not really having any idea what's going on and just 
overreacting and wanting to talk to talk. Um, I think Zach told me it's standard now on all ACL broadcasts. Once one team or player gets to 11, there's going to be a media timeout at every game, correct? Yeah, there's some sort of lineup where there's going to be TV commercials during games. Um, it's a little different depending on the event. Um, but yeah, it's a standard thing going forward. Like it happened in the other match too. Yeah, that's what I thought was funny is it happened in almost every match, if not every match. But all of a sudden they kind of were saying it was a conspiracy and people were taking up for Jacob. Uh, but it's funny because after the timeout, I think he still went up 17 to 4. If I yeah, I think right. at the so, timeout, it was 13 to four or something like that. 13, yeah, so he two. came out and still and he ended scored. up getting the 17, right? So can I then, interrupt? So what was yeah. the concern that because there's a timeout, he lost, he potentially could have lost his rhythm and it threw him off and that's a way to throw off someone's game is by taking a timeout? Is that is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. So the comments were saying that the ACL didn't want Jacob Gore to win for some reason. Um, so they specifically called the timeout while he was hot to stall him which I still don't even get the reasoning and the logic behind that of why they wouldn't want. What's he? Is he eight or 13? He's uh 14. 14, 14 yeah. Yeah, so like why wouldn't you, you were want close. Is he eight or 13 or 14? I was going to say 13 then. For some <laughs> reason, awesome. he popped into my head. Is he, is yeah. he eight, 18? <laughs> but wouldn't you want a young phenom 14-year-old kid to come in on ESPN and win and kind of bring light to how anyone can play and anyone can win? against possibly the hottest shooter in the game. But the comments are all over the board. I really wish the post was still there because there were a ton of good ones um, to read out loud and react to. But right. I just wanted to address and, that and know that people just don't know what they're talking about because that's it's happened in all the matches. It's going to happen all year. And people are still complaining that it's a money grab by the ACL. Yeah, But I and get what, it when what, you only what, have four matches. You only well, have four what, breaks. What players don't realize, or not players, but what people don't realize is that TV broadcasts, you need to have sponsors to help pay for those broadcasts. And so you could do kind of the English Premier League where you have kind of a scroll with the sponsors on there, but the ACL, you know, they they have to kind of do a break and to kind of do shout outs to their sponsors and that type of thing. So that's going to happen when you're on TV. So, I mean, there's another whole thing about Devin Harbaugh not having, he had to change his bags because his bags were not broadcast uh ready uh, let's say you know say that but that's that's what's going to happen when we start getting on tv broadcast you got to take tv breaks you got to get uh your sponsors in there that that it's definitely something that's going to be not something that's just happening you know this weekend it's going to happen all the time for sure yeah and that was another topic i I wanted to touch on go ahead bruce well i was going to go on a rant so if you want to insert your comment (laughs) i I feel i stacy can probably tell by the look on my face but i have i have like a a rant that i'm glad this is a live reaction because it would be too much to type so right so what were you going to say mike and then if you well i was going to i was going to go off on a different tangent on the bag subject so if you have a rant about this post then by all means go for it Okay, thank you. So listen up. If you want cornhole to be a professional sport, if you want it to be on television and you want it to be accepted like all of the other sports out there, then there's a few concessions that are going to need to be made. And there's a few decisions that are going to have to be made. First of all, a TV timeout happens on every sport, every single sport to support their sponsors and to get their advertisement slots. Are It's, it's a fact with television. So if you want to be on television and there's a TV timeout, 
and you are going to claim that it is going to throw someone's game off or be a strategic or deliberate part of altering the outcome of the game, then you're sadly mistaken. If we want cornhole to be big, and if we want it to be a nationally entertaining, worthy of television type of event, then we have to do all of the other stuff the other sports are doing. So to tie in controversy or to even suggest that it ices or alters a professional player, then perhaps we should reevaluate how much the professional player even belongs on that stage or belongs in the professional world. Because if something like a timeout or getting your game stalled, losing your rhythm is a factor in deciding whether or not you're good at cornhole or should or shouldn't have won that game, then I would be with those that say you shouldn't be a pro because you've got to handle the outside factors. You've got to handle the big stage and that's part of it. So if we in the cornhole world are going to act like, you know, it's affecting our game or our cornhole world to do what all the other sports are doing on television, then we're going to sound like a bunch of privileged little babies, if you want to be honest about it. And that leads me into my next point, crowd energy. I still think that I I don't want to say there should be shit talking, but I feel like I watched a lot of broadcast games this weekend in particular, and I feel like it's like watching golf. There's no crowd energy because in Cornhole, we're not allowed to cheer as a crowd. We're not allowed to distract the player. We're not allowed, you know, as a matter of etiquette to maybe yell out a few things and help, you know. Even if there was a few negative comments coming from the stands, like there are when a pitcher is about to pitch in a professional baseball game, or if a professional basketball player is about to take a free throw, that's what the fans do. Is you 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 cheer on the team you're rooting for, and you maybe attempt to make some crowd noise in the background. And the professional players are supposed to be able to endure that. And this I can season, speak. this season, you are allowed to to do that. For the which is which is good and yes, yeah i mean yep. frankly i think it's a it's a matter of rules it's never not been allowed but i think it should right. be encouraged and i think we need to reevaluate the etiquette you know which is really what it what it falls back on is etiquette and right. i know like last season um i forget who it was but somebody Jordan power um, yeah i got pissed yeah. and you know from what was cut from the stands i think tony smith when um there was a matt guy comment up into the stands or whatever but if you can't yeah. if you can't endure crowd energy or crowd noise that's in your favor or against you, like the professional players shooting shooting the free throw or the the pitcher about to pitch or the you know all of the sports except for golf. So we need to decide: do we want this to be golf, and are we really going to generate audience excitement and attention and get those crowds boosted up if we all have to be quiet on the sidelines and all have to be delicate and sensitive? Or are we going to have higher expectations of our professional players that are able to endure all distractions other than being touched or having somebody on the other side of the board, you know, wave their hands in front of their face? Otherwise, I I say if this game's going to be evolving and if it's going to generate more crowd attention and more excitement, you know, we've got to look at all the other professional sports at what works. And that goes back to what I was saying about the... TV timeouts and all the all the other things. And and I, I don't think we we should be handling the players like delicate little flowers that um can't be distracted or you know with a timeout or a little bit of crowd noise. They should be able well, to endure gonna, that. 
let's be honest too. What's what's gonna get more ratings or, or TV viewership? Someone that's passionate, right? Someone like Jacob Draczynski that is you know kind of gets hot or heated when he throws a good bag or when he doesn't throw a good bag. I think that's what's gonna draw people to kind of watch these matches and to get excited about them. Um, but then you got other people that kind of can't take that. Like someone like Matt Guy was very passionate, right? And then yep. if he offends somebody after, uh, you know, they, you know, whatever, he throws a good bag or they don't, and then they go to social media and kind of start kind of ripping on that. I mean, it's, it's either one or the other, right? Are we looking for the golf quiet, please signs? Or are we looking for the, you know, the, the football, like, let, let's go, let, let, let's, let's get some passion. Let's get some excitement. And I'm all, you know, ACL Northeast conference director. I'm for the passion, right? I want, I want people excited. I want people pumped up. You know what I mean? It's that, that, that's my view on that. I, I, I think that the, the passion is what's going to get this game to the next level. I don't think the uh, quiet please sign and uh, isn't going to do it for us for the ACL. That's my opinion. I agree. Yes. On, on the next broadcast, are we going to see Wicked Cornell sponsored Thundersticks in the background? Like <laughs> I, NBA games? I would be down other than, but you know. If Stacey Moore's listening, just have someone reach out. I'm, um, well, ultimately it's not up to Stacey Moore or anybody else. It's up to us as players and, and participants and the followers of the game that need to change change that while we still can. And I don't think... I mean, let's face it, cornhole doesn't fill the stands anyway. You know, we're right. not filling stands. Yep. Nobody is. I mean, it, it, even the even the ACL broadcast look, looks a little looks a little stale. You know, you got right. a few rows of people and, you know, we know half of them because they were players that are waiting for their turn. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to, to anybody, but let's just face it. They're not filling the stands. And if you're going to have broadcast energy or if you're going to have people coming to these events to give a shit about what's going on and to watch with enthusiasm, like you said, Sean, if it's going to be a golf environment where, you, you know, you got the right, quiet yeah. please and, and you can't. And, uh, and, yep. and if a fan can't be made to feel like they're helping their team, they're, you know, they're the horse that they're backing then then why would they go you know i only watched cornhole i mean i'm i i live for cornhole not as a player but i mean let's look at my life it's 100% cornhole and i still can't really get into watching a broadcast unless i'm tuning in to watch Zach stick me emily downer or nick petusky play right i really don't give a rat's ass about People I don't know. It's like when my kids were kids, right? I sure as hell wasn't going to go to anybody else's little league baseball game unless my kid was going in and he was getting up to bat. I didn't give a rat's ass, you right. know, because it's it's a lethargic crowd. It's a it's a lame event, and everybody wins. Everybody gets a trophy. Be quiet, and that's kind of what cornhole feels like. Well, and my, um, I, I I feel like if we can if we can make it a little more energetic, then that will do the game as a whole some good. And I didn't mean to interrupt you, Sean. No, no, you're good. I was kind of chiming on you, but the ACL, if you go to these live broadcasts, they're not the quiet, please crowd. They want the crowd to be loud. They want people to be excited. They push for that. My point about saying that was there's certain players that get offended if somebody says something or somebody, um, you know, the passion is shown against them, then they get offended and then they make a stink about it. But the ACL themselves for these these pro events, they want the crowd loud. They're trying to pump the crowd up. 
they want excitement. So they're all about that. So it's really not the ACL. I was more kind of focusing on some of the kind of the pros that uh, get offended when that stuff happens against them. Well, that's an excellent yeah, point, as... Sean. I'm sorry, Mike. I hold on. I just want to just go off of that. That's what I think that's where we need to make a difference. When the players right. are a belly aching, we all need to pounce on them and say, if you can't hang, bro, if you can't hang, then should you be a pro? And I'm not trying to be a dink to these people, but it, you know, what's the climate here? You know what I'm saying? You know, yep. Shaquille O'Neal couldn't, couldn't, what, what would happen if he bitched that he couldn't make his friggin' foul shots 90% of the time because the crowd was in his face? What, what, right. what would we say to that? You know what I'm saying? If he went on Facebook, you know, and maybe that's an extreme example, but we can change the culture by making that, a, making that unacceptable. I think the real pros are the ones that can hang through that. I mean, really any swing and dick under quiet circumstances and focus throw in their right environment while not having their game interrupted and in, in an environment that they're used to throwing can do their 10 or 11 PPR. But is that really a sport at this point? If you're going to get a timeout thrown at you because there needs to be some ads thrown and that's affecting your game, then to me, you don't belong in that game. And right. if somebody yells something or somebody says something, and then you as a professional player go onto the onto your social media and you bitch about that. Exactly. Well, yep. I mean, I, I think the overwhelming response would be, dude, you can't hang. You, yep. you, you can't hang. You, you Then you shouldn't be a pro. And right. that's that's mental weakness, in my opinion. That's mental in weakness a on a, in a mental game. Yep. And I'm actually but dying Matt, to know what it, Zach Stickney's there thinking. Well, we I a, know. We have an ACL <laughs> professional in the room. <laughs> Who is the yes. classiest player there is? And in regardless, he would never, never has and never will piss and moan on his Facebook page. So I feel okay talking to you. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Zach, what's your reaction? And you can be honest. You can be completely honest to what we're saying here as far as what we're saying here. Right. I mean, yeah, you got to just tone everything out and do your own thing, kind of. Um, people that bitch and moan, I feel like they shouldn't be in the league because everyone has to make the same adjustments. If you feel like you have to be vocal about it, then it's kind of an issue. But I guess you got to just do your own thing. Who would you say? Yeah, I've, Go ahead, Mike. I keep interrupting you, nope. and I apologize. Go ahead, I'll Mike. I've, I'm sorry. I have two points on it. Is one, I think the first step is they got to get rid of headphones while they're playing. Because if yep. you really want the crowd to have an impact, take the headphones out. You got to play in the environment you're in. You can't. There's no NBA players or baseball players wearing headphones while they're playing. You got to be able to lock in and play. And two, I think part of the issue is that especially these pro events, everyone is so friendly. Like you guys all travel the country, you know each other. So there's not as much excitement of like cheering one person over the other with the exception of a couple of people that may or may not be crowd favorites. But I think that's kind of the cool aspect of like the teams or even like Major League Cornhole is in a position to really take advantage of it where they have a home and away team and you're visiting. Because the ACL, everything's neutral. Everyone knows each other. If someone says something while someone's thrown, they're going to get offended because they know them. Whereas these other home and away style matches, you're a visitor. So you got to go to Philly and you got to play in front of the home crowd. And that's where that kind of really would give you an advantage because it would be a home and away team more like most professional sports. Whereas the ACL Pro Nationals is a room full of people who are all friends. So it's not going to have quite the same passion and create that environment that's going to really affect one team or another. Excellent points. Oh, this is, this should be a hot hot topic. I mean, the game is growing very very fast, and in just a matter of like three years ago, you know, 
99% of us never even heard of the ACL. We never dreamed that it would be a nationally televised event. And I feel like Cornhole is doing everything it can to be like the other sports and do what the other sports are doing. And it, from a cultural standpoint, not not just from the rules or, or anything like that, we, we have to, I think, as fans, we have to set the expectations for the game and our players that call themselves pros to subscribe to it or not. You know, we all know the pro players that piss and moan about board conditions or which boards they're playing on. Well, you know what? You don't see professional hockey players talking about how the ice felt in in one area over another. You don't friggin' bitch about playing at Fenway versus Camden Yards. You don't talk about the the old parquet at the garden versus that you you play to your environment and nothing in any other professional sport football you have turf you have grass yeah you, you know you have you have indoor you have outdoor all of these other sport all of them all golf courses are different all professional sports have different environments different conditions in different scenarios and part of the professionalism that's expected is the ability to adapt and some players thrive under conditions that are, are better than others. But, you know, they the, the expectations in the other sports have been set. And there's an understanding with the professional players, at least as a fan of all these sports, they're not they're not pissing and moaning. They're not they're not acting like they're they're entitled to a certain play conditions. They adapt. And in Cornhole, we get to change our bags for the situation. And we get to alter our strategy and everything throwing. I mean, the game is simple enough without us restricting it to the same play environment for everybody. And anything that isn't under that standard is unacceptable. There should be a variety of play environments. And I think overall people understand that, you know, hence Spencer McKenzie's, they're all still flying out there knowing that it's windy and horrible. So I'm not saying it's hindering the game. But I think the expectations of the professionals and the bar for which, which, you know, they must rise to to be called a professional can be raised a little bit. And I think TV timeout and I think board conditions and I think crowds cheering and chirping at them and potentially distracting them. You know, I think personally as a fan, I think it'd be cool if we could all if we could all wave our hands and cheer or attempt to distract a player from the end zone or whatever you want to call the bo- the board side while they're throwing. They did you know? it for years in basketball, right? Larry Bird yeah. shooting a free throw and they got the naked yeah. bikini girls behind, yeah. behind the, you uh, the <laughs> because backboard it, to try to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. when I was in college, I had a pink inflatable dolphin that I brought to every basketball game. And every right. time they were shooting free throws, I had that dolphin swimming yeah. behind the hoop. And you see now there's people with spinning things, the giant the giant cardboard heads. I mean, there's balloons. It's, people do crazy stuff, and that's part of the fun of the environment. And going back to the conditions, Bruce, look at the Super Bowl. That field was the worst field that the Super Bowl has probably ever been played on, at yep. least in modern times. And probably one of the worst fields that a football game in the NFL has been played on, not even the Super Bowl. That was an epic fail of a field. And the Eagles, when even they were they were asked about it, they were given the chance to complain. They, I think they all, as pros, said, nope, that's the field. The Chiefs played on it, too. We had to figure it out. They figured it out. We didn't. Like, you don't see that in Cornell where the boards are sticky. You see people complain, oh, the boards are sticky, the boards are bouncing, the boards are fast. Not, oh, the boards are fast, so I slowed down my bags. I switched to a different bag. 
I made the adjustment. It's, oh no, I just, uh, the bag, the boards are too fast and they were throwing cheater bags and the boards were bouncing and it was bowl. And it's just always excuses when, even when a lot of the top players lose. Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's even a saying, an even playing field. It's the same for both competitors. So getting back to your original post, that TV timeout was for everybody. And who, right. who were they claiming? It was uh, Alex Rawls got iced, as somebody was bitching about. Is uh, that Jay, they were complaining about Jacob Gore. Jacob Gore. The guy who, the kid who came out and still scored the first, like, four or five points after the timeout. And they're calling conspiracy that a TV timeout was placed to ice him and throw him yeah. off. Gotcha. Well, obviously, he proved that wrong because he went on to do well. And he ended up losing, but he did score points afterwards. So it's not like sure. it, it wasn't an immediate turning point. And that is nothing against Jacob Gore. I'm not talking about Jacob Gore right now. I'm talking about the pack ahead that posted that because yeah. it was, the playing field was even. And that's just stupid. Are you trying to create, you know, a little bit of drama that's unnecessary and trying to trying to keep cornhole players treated differently than all the other professional sports is, is where I'm thinking that. Well, that it, wrong. It, and being the chairman of the boards, the thing that bothers me most is that uh, usually the pros end up being in the top one, two, three, four, whatever. So, but the ones that lose are the ones that complain saying trampoline boards, uh, the fans too fast on, on the top of the building. Um, like, but they're the ones that, are expected to be there at the end. They are there at the end, but if they don't get first place, then the first thing they do is they bitch and they complain about the equipment, right? Yep. And it's it's like you said. So it's like the the all the playing fields are all different. So we're not going to get an ACL stamped board that's going to be sent to every director in the country. It's not possible. It's impossible. So for those pros that kind of complain about trampoline boards or that type of stuff, that's that's on them. You, you adapt to the conditions, grab a different bag, um, you know, throw better. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but yeah. that's what so, bothers me most is that so as a director and chairman of the boards, director, right? We supply these venues, we run these large events, and then to get shit on through social media uh, based on the equipment that we bring, you know, that's that's not my problem. That's, you know, we, we, we're bringing standard equipment. We're bringing high quality equipment. And just because you have a bad day, don't shit on me and make my name look bad because you had a bad day at the yeah. office. You know what? Suck it up. Shake the hand of the person that beat you and then go to the next event and kick ass. That's that's what I say. I agree. And somebody won on those boards. It, it isn't like, yes. you know, yeah. that that person pissing and moaning was the only one with that board they're bitching about that was an even playing field. Yeah. And I am calling all of us as fans to to rise the occasion and basically tell that person to fuck off. If you can't adapt, if you can't adapt, then that's on you. And, you know, I'm not I'm not looking to cause an uprising against the professional players here, but I mean, no, let's, no, no. Yeah, let's flip sure. the no. expectations because very soon this game's going to get boring if we're not careful. You know, more and more people are elevating their own game to, to, you know, getting those 9, 10, or 11 PPRs. And I'm not here to say that everybody's going to have an 11 PPR if they get enough practice in, but, but you know, this game has a limit where you can only score so many points per round. You can only throw so well to max out, you know, where other sports tend not to have that, um, that cap. You, there's no end to how many points you can score in the other sports or or your personal performance. So at some point, more and more players are going to rise to 
to that upper level 10, 11 PPRs and the, and the field of competition is going to continue to grow. And it's going to run the risk of getting a little boring. It's going to run the risk of, of being 30, 40 round matches before somebody breaks and makes it to 21. That's why, that's why the ACL, in my opinion, you know, we're doing the 10 round limits, you know, which understand it. I'm not against it. I get it, but that's why we're doing it. We don't want marathons. It's 10 rounds. Who can do the best after 10 rounds? So we're adapting, but you know, as long as we keep these player conditions controlled and as long as we're catering to the players but yet calling ourselves fans that have to be quiet or can't make some noise and 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 support a true professional it's going to get stale in my opinion and it kind of already is um we're going to max out and exciting charismatic players and energetic crowds and players that can overcome the the adversity that they face and who can overcome slippery conditions and loud crowds and all of that. Those are going to be your true professionals and the players that whine when it wasn't ideal for their particular game, you know, in other sports, they get, they get kind of shunned and that's the way you control the game. That's the way you keep it exciting. So anyway, that's my rant. Um, I like definitely like Zach's take and probably Bushways too on that whole 10 round because that's a totally different game, and I'm sure Zach would would agree that like if you if you're behind like in the first couple rounds, you have to do everything you can to kind of catch up because you know it's, it's not a uh, it's not a game of 21. It's it's 10 rounds, so it's it's a totally different game in my opinion. That is that true, Zach? It is a whole different animal. Yeah, right? you you definitely need to play more strategic. Um, besides the 10 round games, I don't think I had any games the rest of the weekend that were. 15 rounds or less because everyone's so good. You're going to be playing those marathon games. Um, So that the limit definitely makes you change up how you're going to play. You need to create opportunities to score points rather than just play the long game. And then if you find yourself behind early, you have to kind of be more aggressive, right? You have to shoot those air mails that you definitely wouldn't do before uh, to try to, and that can kind of lead to, some blowouts, right? Because you're trying to play catch up. And if your bag's not on, you're throwing bags off the board, then obviously, you know, it's going to be exactly have a snowball effect. And then you're down a lot bigger. For sure. Yep. So definitely it's a different game. I actually, I love the format. I think it's great. I think there's definitely another strategy involved with it. Uh, You want to get solid early. You want to put those points in early and try to make them play catch up instead of you having to come from behind and try to catch up. So I, I think, I think there's something cool about it. And I know that they do it because of time, you know, based on uh, TV broadcast. So they can only do so many rounds, but I, I, I definitely think that there's a uh, huge strategy strategy behind it. And I think it's uh, kind of fun in my opinion. It is. And out of the gate, it can be fun. And we'll talk more as once we get Mr. Bushway on and we start talking about the team events. It is different and it can be fun, but it also runs the risk of being anticlimactic. But I will add, Emily Downer sent the game into overtime. She had a had an incredible round and it looked like they were about to to lose in the 10th round. And what'd she do? Five points? I don't know if any Yeah, of she had a five spot off of Miranda, Miranda Coy. Yeah, there was a big group Miranda. of us sitting at the airport watching that game. So we're yeah, all it was pretty around. exciting. She held her own, and Miranda fell apart a little bit, and it sent it into overtime. So it can get exciting. But we'll talk more when we talk about the teams. Michael, you said you had one more. Did, I mean, we're on a roll now. 
Facebook yeah, so live reactions. One, you have another post? So this one, I believe someone tagged us in. I don't know who was running the chairman of the board's page. It was me. Um, but, I flagged that for us. Okay. I, I want us to talk about it. So go ahead and read it out. So this one kind of touches on uh, what we talked about last week on that Cornell Johnson post about directors needing to get paid and compensated for their time and effort and what they're doing. Uh, so Justin Gunn shared that post. Um, and he wrote, as a director in competitive cornhole, this is a very close subject for me. I completely agree that organizers and directors should get paid for their time, effort, equipment, venues, and all the other bullshit that directors have to deal with on a weekly basis. Everything I've done to get Lakes Breach and Baggers off the ground and keep it running at a high level had cost me personally thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours. Um, he goes on and just kind of talks about we need to figure out what's fair for the directors. The players need to stop assuming so much and kind of thinking that they're entitled to a lot more than they are. Um, and then our friend Stephen Ronaldo had a nice comment. Uh, he said he agrees with what he says. He sees all the hard work that directors are doing. Uh, last week, Wednesday alone, had 13 different places within a 50-mile radius that he could have played at. So he said he first started playing less than a year ago. There was maybe four or five. So he's loyal to high voltage now, and that's where he goes. Um, and kind of pointed out that the crowds are kind of thinning out in all the leagues because there's just so many. And people are kind of loyal to certain clubs. And then you get a few people who bounce around and pick and choose where and when they're going to play. So it's almost becoming you have to pay out more to attract people to your league. But how how do we figure out the fair way to keep all these leagues going without cannibalizing each other and without becoming 100% payout and just basically donating your time and all your effort so cornhole players can get paid 100%. And I know it's something we've talked about a lot in the past, but it's definitely something that we're all kind of in agreement on. And it seems to be more and more of a, a hot take and coming to the forefront a lot more in the cornhole community now, which I think is good because people are realizing how, how good the players had it and how much the directors have been kind of getting screwed for years. Yeah. Um, and Terry Brendan jumped in, couldn't agree more. We provide a service and should be compensated. And he goes on to say about how much work there are there is behind the scenes that people don't know. And the fact that people just assume things and don't look into what's going on, don't ask questions. Um, and he said, if there's constructive criticism, we want to we want to hear and grow. So if you have feedback on a business or a cornhole league, let them know without going to social media and blasting them, but approach them and talk to them and say, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking, or hey, why is this this way and not this way like this league does it, which would make our lives a lot easier, but it would also give this podcast a lot less content to talk about. So Mike, again, I do have some feelings on the subject that you just read for the Facebook live reaction. And before I go on my rant, what do you, what do you think, Sean? Any, any reaction? No, I'll be curious to see what you, you say, and then we'll go from there. (laughs) I did the last one on my pro kind of, you know what I mean? The, you know, blaming the equipment, that type of stuff. If you're a pro, then you should be able to adapt to whatever is thrown at you. Um, so yeah, curious you to see to react what you have to, to say. Yep, and then yeah. I'll, I'll go from there. So kind of building off of last week, the, the Cornell Johnson post, we talked a little bit about last week about how league directors should be paid. And we talked a little bit or a lot of bit about, um, you know, fundraisers, how we're hired into fundraisers and how does it have a successful fundraiser. And that was based largely on bringing in new players and not recycling the same pool of players into every single event. We want to grow the game and we want to grow attendance. And my feeling is, particularly around um, Steve Analdo's post about how there is concern that there's so many leagues coming around 
and the attendance is down because the player pool is going to be diluted as more leagues pop up. Mike, what was there? Like he said, 13 leagues within 50 mile, 50 mile radius on one night. 13 yeah, I think or- that's what he said. And yeah. that's, I mean, that just goes to show we've talked about it before, like Tuesday nights within like 45 minutes of Tuxbury, there's like 400 people playing at like yep. different locations and more and more popping up. So that's, it's kind of everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's gotten nothing but bigger, particularly over recent weeks. We have the tea baggers. They started over at the Tuxbury Elks on Monday night, and the same night in Billerica Elks. And for those of you mm-hmm. who don't know, Tuxbury Elks and Billerica Elks are about seven minutes apart travel time. Tea bag tea baggers are Thursday. Not I don't want to mince words, but oh, no. tea baggers are Thursday. Half oh, I the thought they started. Did Monday. they start last Monday? Oh, I, I okay. I stand corrected. All right, so tea baggers are Thursday, yeah. half of the baggers are Monday. Monday. Yeah, and then of course then right I, here in the area. Go ahead, hon. I heard Big Mad switch nights, right? Aren't they doing Wednesday night or something? I think they moved. Yeah, nights. they're Wednesday yeah. nights now. Yeah. Yeah, and Teddy so, Teddy Bear doesn't he have like it's a week or something like that that he's doing? Yeah, he's got I all keep kinds seeing of him stuff advertising. I don't know. Yeah. I see him every night. Yeah, I saw the pillow fight event. I don't even want to know what. What that that's about. But yeah. He's he's launching. And of course our friends at high voltage. I mean, the, the list goes yeah. on and within within not even a fifty mile radius all throughout the week in this area. And I still maintain there's plenty of room in this in the sandbox and, and there's plenty to to go around because the player population is growing, but it's probably not growing fast enough to keep the attendance for each of these leagues to keep going. So I would say, and and I've been asked particularly a few times since last week's episode, you know, people wanting to pick my brain or our brain on what they can do to boost attendance or make their league more successful. So I wanted to address that tonight and, and see if we can help the leagues out there and help the players out there come together to really understand what defines a successful cornhole league or a successful cornhole night. And I would say the first thing that you want to do when you're starting or when you're running a cornhole league is ask yourself, what what is your definition of success? By most measurements, it's attendant. When you have 100 people show up versus, you know, 50, then most league directors would call that highly successful and they would call that a win. And understandably, their attendance was up to an extraordinary amount of people. Conversely, if it's, you know, 10 or 15 people showing up, then then it's kind of a dud. So attendance is definitely a barometer of success. But at the same time, if you're not monetizing or able to monetize the event for yourself because you're not charging or you're giving away high percentage payouts and you're doing it for more or less the love of the game, then do you really want attendance to be your barometer? of success. You know, then it just becomes kind of a popularity contest. You're building a brand, something you can be proud of, and it's more or less a, a gang or a group culture where we want followers and supporters in our league and we want that those numbers because it validates what you're trying to do, but on the flip side, more players is harder to manage and if more players doesn't equal more dollars for you, then Really, is that a win? Is that what you want your business model to be? Because it is a business, by the way. We talked about it last week. If you're if you're building a brand 
and you're working with venues and you're promoting your league or your cornhole night and your brand, you're a business. Whether or not you're a nonprofit business or a failed business or a successful business, that all remains to be seen. But you are, in fact, a business. Whether you register with the state or not, you are a business because you're doing everything that a business does. So let's just clear that up. What kind of business that you want to be? Well, it's up to you. And attendance is definitely a barometer for considering yourself a successful business. But at the same time, do you want your product to be great? Do you, would you rather show 40 people a wonderful time because it's manageable? Or would you rather show 100 people a decent time because it's not as manageable, but you got 100 people there? So you have to decide what your barometer of success is what your goal is, first of all. And if it's high volumes of people, then you might want to reevaluate that. Because other than the fact that it's validating to what you're trying to do to have that many people, it might not be what you're looking for. You're going to be there later. You're going to try to keep all that many more people happier. You're going to be trying to work hard to attract those people. And you got to ask yourself for what? So is there really glory and success in numbers? And if the answer to that continues to be yes, and you do want more people, it might be because you have to support the bar that's giving you the venue for free. And if they don't see the numbers and if they don't see if they don't see the people coming in that you've promised or need to come in, then you might want to be keeping those numbers up. That is a scenario where numbers should be kept up. But if you can if you can keep the same 30 or 40 people entertained steadily and happily, I would say you're doing okay as a league. And if you strive to do much more, then you know, you're looking to build or expand your business model. So the barometer for success is based on what the director wants to consider to be the barometer. So numbers do not have to be the single measurement of a successful league. So we'll get that out of the way, first of all. Second of all, if you are competing with a bunch of leagues that are popping up everywhere, you can either be competition with them and you can you can join the fight to offer the greatest prize pools or the lowest buy-ins or the coldest, cheapest beer. All that is standard stuff that we can do to attract the players. But what you're doing is you're fighting for the same market share. And your market share for your business are the same pool of players that are playing cornhole on, you know, one, two, three or nights a week that are looking at all the different events happening and they're deciding what they want most out of their cornhole night. Loyalty to your league or to your event might not be that strong for a lot of the players because a lot of them want to go check other places out. They want to chase the higher prize pool. They want to chase the better night or go to the closer place. There's a ton of scale tippers out there. You'll have your loyal group of followers that started the league with you and have been with you since the beginning. And those are the ones that you want to take a look at, in my opinion. The people that you brought into your league and that grew your league together and that you helped introduce to the game and you helped show them that cornhole on a regular night of the week can be fun. Those are the ones you want to take a serious look at. And if you do want to grow, you do want to get more of those and hence targeting new players. So it's your format, it's your prize payouts, and it's what you're willing to offer or not offer as a product to your players that are going to dictate who your audience is, who your players are going to be. And if you're going to play the high price payout game or the low buy-in or just kind of that regular airmail night where the pot is big on the airmail and, and you're running the same stuff and you're, 
You're promising to deliver double elimination because that's what the player what players want. You're kind of like most everybody else and you're competing for the same market. But I would submit to you that if you think outside the box and you can do what Sean and his crew have been doing for years up at 603, or if you can do what Wachusa Cornhole does or infamous 603, and you can genuinely cater to the newer players out there and give something for everyone through relegation and through a culture that you're developing that has something for everyone, then you stand a chance of bringing in new players. But you have to make that known. If you're just putting your league on East Coast Cornhole page and Wicked Cornhole and all the other pages that all the players follow, then you're going to only cater to and appeal to the same pool of players. But if you're going to expand and break into new markets and you're going to expand the game and you want to bring in more people, then I would submit to you, you need to appeal to the newer players. Growing the game, growing your audience and growing your followers is going to call for you to do something different. And that's to deliver the promise that new players are welcome. And you don't just put that on your post. To me, those are empty words and empty promises when you're saying all skill levels welcome. Just by declaring that is not creating any sort of promise that anybody's going to want to come out of their backyard and take a stab at joining a cornhole league. Your league that you've established comes with a cool league name. It comes with jerseys. It comes with with roots of, of players that have been playing for a while. And it's all the cool stuff that we love in cornhole. But that's intimidating. That's intimidating to newer players. So unless you can deliver the promise and live up to the promise that if you come out of your backyard and you take a chance on a fun night out and there's something for everyone in your league, they're going to come out of their backyard for you if you can deliver that promise. But otherwise, you're just going to end up recycling the same group of players who we all know and love. We do it. But the more leagues that are popping up, the more leagues that are going under that formula, you know, are, go- are going to only be circulating amongst those leagues in in a diluted way where tenants will be on everywhere. And some leagues who aren't doing it right and aren't catering to new players are going to are going to fail. But you can take it in like any other business. If you come up with something fresh and something different that appeals to different people or a different class of player by changing up your format or offering something like like cornhole in, in instruction, teaching people the game. Maybe if you deliver the promise of, of showing people how to throw bags or something that guarantees that if you show up there, you're going to have a fun time and it doesn't matter if you suck at cornhole. You're going to be, you know, fine. That will be a lot better than just putting all skill levels welcome because that isn't going to pull players out of their backyard. And unless you do something different, you're only going to be competing for that market share that's out there. The regular players, the 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 same 100 people that play in a 20, 25 mile radius, you're all going to be fighting for those same 100 people unless you, you hop outside the box. So that I hope is helpful to all you 19.8 million listeners as players, because if you want to support the league and you want to help them out and you want to grow the league that you are loyal to, or if you are running a, a league, it's going to be a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight, but I would urge you all to rethink your model, your business model, because it is a business again, of growing the game and bringing in more players that can be made to feel comfortable. 
And that might even that might even involve getting rid of your airmail pot, getting rid of your high price payouts, because that's intimidating to players. But think outside the box. And then the next thing you know, you're delivering a product that you are fully justified in, in taking what you deserve. Getting back to the original post there, Michael, league directors need to make money and they need to earn it. And there's a there's a lingering expectation and culture right now that prize payout should be big, that only seasoned corner players, you know, go out and play cornhole during the week. And they're they're only interested in chasing prize pools. And that's not only alienating the new players, but it's also recycling the same concept that is allowing for league directors not to be able to make any money. And something has to break that cycle. End of rant. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yeah, and I think that's well said, Bruce. Um, And part of it, I think, falls on the players, too, where a lot of these top players, either they don't have a welcoming uh, personality with these newcomers. If they get a bad partner, they kind of show it, and it makes people really uncomfortable. They don't want to come back. You've got players that are only wanting to go to bring your own partner events during the week because there's a lot of them that are looking at this as a part-time job, and they're just out there trying to hustle and make money, where it's a totally different environment than people looking to just get out and have a fun Tuesday, Wednesday night, something like that. So, I mean, I know Ben Boodoo, we talk about him all the time. His theory is that when he runs a league, he charges 10, 15, whatever dollars it is for the buy-in. He doesn't pay any cash out. He only did gift cards. And that's that was his business model. And people came and if they complained, he said, great, go find somewhere else to play if you don't like it. This is this is my my model. Uh, he's like, why would I pay you? You you came to play. I set it up. You played. You're still getting a prize, but you're not getting cash for it, which nowadays I think if you do that, you would you get massacred on social media. Uh, but that's kind of what he believes in, and he doesn't really do leads anymore. Uh, he's passing that off to someone else because of that. Um, and it looks like uh, Bushway actually came into the boardroom. So I think he's one of those players that's been to almost every league out in the area probably. I would love to hear his take on what he thinks and why he chooses certain leagues over another one and kind of some feedback on the conversation that we've been having. Yeah, well, welcome yes, to the uh, show, Rich. Uh, uh, thanks, Bruce. Sorry, I didn't mean to drop, um, but we did want to bring you in. But yeah, what do you think, Rich? Oh, so um, no, it's, it's he's absolutely right. Um, I like for me anyway. I like to travel around. I like to play. I like to see the venues. I like to see how they're setting it up. You know, and a lot of times I am playing the same people all over again. You know, different areas. You, you, I know who's there. If I go, if I go further south or something, I know who's going to be around there playing. Um, but I go out just to help out the new guys sometimes too when they're setting up a venue. You know, where they ask me or they put it up saying, "Hey, can you uh, can you come down and or just come check yourself for just to see what's going on, maybe get some input." And I and I do that. Um, and for me, it's it's not about going into a double elimination anymore or anything like that. You almost have to do rounders to make the game entertaining. Um, uh, as far as everything else goes, it's I, I just like to support and help everybody. I, I I play when I can, and you know I got a full time job, so going after work, I'm sure you know everybody in this league really right now. It's not a job for them, or you know in our area anyway, it's not a job. They come out and they have to they blow some steam off, throw some bags, and have a good time. And we we try to help each other out for the most part. Um, as far as this goes, I, I I could ramble and ramble, but uh, it's it's a very vague topic. It's, it's, it's there's so much going on with all these leagues. I agree. And you've always been a great presence running into you 
at different leagues because I know you are one to be more of a helper and and show people some things. And I know that's where you get a lot of your fulfillment being out there. And I think Zach's the same way. You know, I, there's there's people out there that will decide to go to a particular league night for you know for one of many reasons. Some people want to think they have a crack and want to want to chase the prize pool. Some want to see see where the airmail pot's at, which that's kind of a a shameful number of people that chase the airmail pots and that decides where they go. And that's a vicious cycle well, for a lot of people. Well, on that note, you're those are the guys that are also money hunting, you know, and if you put your league pot up and you get guys who are traveling hour, two hours to go and play in these, these venues, cause you got an airmail that's over 700 bucks a bag. People get interested in that. You know, it's, it's, that's their job. You know, they, it's a, it's ridiculous that they actually, they do this. They go in with four or five different people too, sometimes just so they can buy the pot. You know what I mean? Give it all to one person, Um, which definitely does take away from the fun, especially if you have a league with the same 30 or 40 guys for sure that go in there and they put their money in, they're buying some drinks, you know, and over the time it builds up. And when it finally gets to that peak, people are just unloading money. That's just not part of your group. You know what I mean? They, they definitely went out of their way just to, to get a paycheck. Yep. And there's a, there's a whole culture of players out there that do that and nothing against them. But if that's, if that's what you're running your league to be, that's what you're going to attract. And that's, that's a competitive crowd. That's a, the money chasers. And not only will you only get money chasers in that crowd, but you're going to alienate the new players because who the hell wants to show up, show up and, and try to cut their teeth on cornhole in that type of environment. So you, it goes back to what I was saying in terms of you got to decide what, what type of league you want to run. And you've got to understand who is going to show up, who's, who's going to come and you have to cater to that. On the airmail topic, I, I was talking with Terry Brennan about it the other night. Um, he does a really cool thing that I like. So he runs a league that's mostly beginners and kind of a social. There's a handful of competitive players, but it's a lot of newer players that are up and coming. Um, so he does the airmail. It's all it's similar to 603 where it's the same teams each week. So you're not going to get those guys that are coming in just to grab the pot. But he pulls someone. If they don't hit, he pulls a second one. And I, I forget the exact formula he used, but I think they either shoot two bags or one bag. Um, and then if neither of them hit, he pulls another one, and the winner of that ticket just gets a free set of BG bags. So he gets the new players involved. There's not a ton of money there, but someone's walking out with a prize every night. And I, I think that's really cool, especially for the beginning <clears throat> players who probably may not drop $100 on a set of bags. But if they buy a couple airmail tickets for a couple of dollars, there's a chance that they're walking out with a brand new set of pro bags. And I think that's a great way to grow the game because the amount of people that we have come into the store still that are looking for their first set of pro bags, they have no idea, or they see the price and they get kind of sticker shocked. Like, oh, I can't spend 60 bucks. And they, to them, $60 on a set of cornhole bags is crazy. But Terry's putting $100 sets of bags in people's hands for potentially $1, which I think is awesome. And it's a way that the pot's never going to get kind of cannibalized by outsiders. I agree. No, he's doing a great job down there. Sean, as we know, is a legend and his uh, last call format with the airmail tickets and, you know, not making the airmail about hitting the, you know, the huge prize and, and making the tickets stretch out is a whole different way. You can still have airmail. You can still, you can still make it fun for everybody and kind of more or less keep the, the money chases out of the mix. But speaking of bag giveaways, let's, um let's move on. We have a big contest going on and we have to make a determination. We do have Zach Stickney in the room and we have a new segment and we do need to talk about his trip to Texas. 
But before we bring him in and talk about what he's going to talk about, we need need a name for his segment. Stacy, we had a little contest. What 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 are we going to name this thing? Because I don't know how to announce it right now. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping you guys all took a look. There was a couple of posts that we put up, and we had some people chime in on the chairman of the board's Facebook page. Um, do you want me? I don't know if anybody had a chance to look at them, or I can just kind of run down them. I don't know if anybody has any favorites. Well, here's what I would say. We need to decide how we're going to decide. Zach, did you get a chance to look at any of them? Yeah, I took a look at a few and I have some that stuck out to me, but I want to hear everyone else's input. We're going to give you some input and tell you what we like, but I've got a little news for you. Your show, your bags, you're going to decide what you want your show named based on the... um, based on all of these great suggestions. So Alrighty. let's talk it out. And Stacy, if you could read a few to us and we can do a little read and react, and then um, we'll see if we can uh, give our personal opinions. I don't want to say we'll sway Zach, but I think he wants our input. But whatever he declares, we're just going to decide and run with it. The thing's named after him, so he should decide. Sure. I'll read a few that um, kind of jump out, out at me. And yeah. yeah, and I don't know if these. I'm not familiar with all the cornhole podcasts that are out there, so I definitely don't want to copy anybody else. But um, one that I liked was Sean Lussier had first to the boards with Zach. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. First to the boards. Um, that is cool. Ben, Sol- ben Solano had down and Zach. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, well, what else did Ben have? I guess I didn't really get this one, but the ACL refill and then Zach was a cup of soda or something, Mike. Yeah. What's, what's that, Mike? Yeah. So that one, that one, the name itself isn't probably one of the best nominations, but so he was messaging me and he's like, I already have a logo drawn up. He's like, so just give me five minutes. He's like, I have a Sharpie in my pocket at work. And he (laughs) texts me a picture like five minutes later of a soda cup stick figure that kind of looks like Zach and standing on the ACL logo throwing a bag and it was called Zach's ACL refill which I thought was awesome he sent me a picture of a cup and a picture of Zach and was like if you add these two together and then he sends me the <laughs> picture of his sketch so I sent it I Zach I forget if you were in that group chat or not but I sent it to our group no I haven't seen it <laughs> I'm gonna have yeah, to uh, it was, I'll, it was... I'll send it to you now so you, you can take that into consideration while you're picking names Solano Sean, did you gets an he always gets an A for effort. He is I know. A. Yeah, no, there, there was a bunch in there that I liked. I liked oh, pretty much the first one that came out. Karen Thielen had a great one. I, th- I forget what it was. It was stick and uh, it was the first the, one. The stick me side. The st- yeah, the stick me side. side or, yeah, yeah. yeah, there was a bunch of good ones. I liked, were, were um, I think I just liked the stick side. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I kept seeing this purple rhino. I don't know what the heck that is. But That's my vote. You don't know what that is? I know. I know. I, okay. Well, I know it's Michael. I don't know what it is, but. Well, you, do you know what the reference is? I don't. All right. So let me tell you. So um, Mike and I do this weekly podcast called, called Chairman of the Board. <laughs> and last week he was saying it would be no, funny. No, I know. On last week's episode, <laughs> if uh, it was actually purple hippopotamus, but he's like, oh, I just heard purple... that. I just said, oh, no, I know it was something else. Is. I just kept seeing yeah. the purple rhino. I know something totally silly. Purple hippopotamus. Um, yeah. Yep. Well, Zach's going to get to decide if he wants it to be the purple rhino. <laughs> <laughs> but uh... slick, it, slick and stickney. Mike had that. I thought that was kind of cool. Slick and stickney. Yeah. The possibilities are endless. With tracking Zach, yeah, tracking Zach out there. Tracking Zach, yeah. sticking to the ACL with Zach. 
That's kind of cool. So for those of you that don't know, last week we announced that Zach's going to be doing a weekly segment because he travels the world. He's an ACL pro and he just got back this week, for example. We'll talk about a little more after we name this show, but um, or the segment from Corpus Christi. And he's going to bring back the news from his ACL Pro travels. And we're going to have different guests on tonight as fellow ACL Pro and fellow Texas bully bagger, Rich Bushway. But we wanted to name the segment. So he has offered to give away his own series of bags, all cornholes, slide, uh, I was going to say slide rights, all slides, 2.0s, the Zach Stickney edition, the winner that he announces because he's going to get to name his own segment. So we had all of our 19.8 million listeners have a chance to chime in. So Zach, I don't want to say I don't want to put you on the spot because I do. Which one do you like? What do you want your show called? There's a lot of good options out there. Um, but the one that really sticks out to me, um, I don't have to go with the stick side down. Uh, that was put in by James Emery. There we go. Stick side down, James Emery. Final answer, Zach? Yes. Final answer. Lock it in. I don't know. To All me, right. that sounds kind of like White House down, like like Stickney's down and out. Yeah, but it sounds like Zach is down for <laughs> anything. He's down. Stick side down. Anyway. <laughs> Better than your George, George, George Costanza. Better than your purple right. rhino, Mike. I do like <laughs> Ben's logo, like though. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I like it. All right. So here's what yeah, we're going to do. We're just argue. going off the cuff here. <laughs> Zach's choice. But notice I've run my mouth long enough tonight. So we're going to turn it over to the great Sean Haley. Yes. Sean, with us? Yes. Okay. So the you winner ready? is announced. It is James Emery. Yep. And the show is called Stick Side Down. So if you could please provide us with the intro to our host of the Stick Side Down, Zach Stickney, and his guest for tonight, let's get the ball rolling. So yes, bring us in, Sean. Show us how it's done. Right. So our newest segment, ACL Talk with Zach Stickney, the Stick Side Down. Let's introduce Zach Stickney. Welcome to the show, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got um, Rich Bushway too, but you know, bringing all that together. <laughs> it's a couple of cup. bully, couple of bullies, couple of bully baggers. But um, the the big thing too is you guys just came off a big weekend, both of you, um, with teams, right? And it's the first weekend that the ACL has done the teams event. And we obviously we got, uh, you know, a little bit of a take of it on CBS broadcasts on, you know, was that Friday night and then on Sunday. So how'd you guys think that that worked out? How did the team's format work out for you guys? What, what were your thoughts? Did you think it was good? I mean, to me on an outsider looking in and I'm kind of the one of the managers of the woodchucks, the schedule threw me off for a loop. I had no idea who was playing when I just saw that we were playing like three different teams. I didn't know timing. I didn't know any of that stuff. But what did you guys think about the whole process being yeah. the first time? So going into the teams, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew we were going to play matches against other yeah. teams, best of seven series. That's all I knew. Um, the schedule was a little confusing. Like I didn't know I was up until I got the text saying I was up on court 24. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I had no idea what that was when I was going to be up, what the lineup was going to be. If I was playing with the same person every time. So I feel like there is some ways you can they can clean it up and make it more organized. Um, I feel like the most organized part of it was the TV broadcast Friday night and then Saturday, which was amazing. Like no, and I, I didn't even get to watch it, but it was, I mean, from what I've heard, it looked amazing. Um, just it was cool that you all get an opportunity to kind of get you know toe the line on the main stage. Right. And well, if I can butt in on this, 
Yeah. Oh, so um, so I'm very familiar with the the whole situation because I played in it last year. Um, these teams things, uh, it's it's really kind of getting get it with your captain after each game, and he's the one that really sets the lineup. So if you really want to figure out what's going on, it really comes down to the captains. Um, the reason you knew on your very first of uh, the the CBS broadcasting one, you know, the one we played on Friday, that one was already put in the books and our lineups were able, you were able to see him pretty clearly and you knew exactly how it was going to be run down. Um, when they're fast and like Sean was saying that he had no clue, you said you had no clue how, like when you were playing and who you were playing with, um, and that just really strictly comes down to your captain. He he still sets the lineup, and it, and it's where right now with the very first one too. It was you could have switched it up with different partners, and every single one just feel out how our chemistry was really, you know, how it's going. I mean, there were some tough teams that that uh, just didn't do well, and they they have strong players. Um, right. This time around, we we got lucky, we got some wins and whatnot on that, and but we still mixed up a few different players to try to figure out that right chemistry. Um, yeah, I don't know how you felt about it, Zach. Yeah, I, I, I like some of the changes we made. I feel like there's a couple more that we could have made. Um, but I think that we should get together with the captains and stuff like that, just so we're all on the same page going into the next round and stuff like that. My, my thought that, was I, even even for players that are kind of on the outside looking in, so not, not the non-broadcast teams, but there was like a schedule that was put out there. It was like the Woodchucks played Bully Baggers. They played... You know, there was like three different teams, but there was no like timing listed or anything. So I had no idea like when to tune in. I'm not talking about most, you know, the the matchups for the players, but the actual team schedule itself. I had no idea. I knew we weren't on the broadcast, but then there was like three other teams that we were playing throughout the day. And I didn't know if that was like through the day or the weekend. It was just kind of a, a weird kind of a schedule to start, I guess. Right. So the original schedule, I believe, is supposed to be one matchup per hour so like the first hour on saturday we'd play new england woodchucks then we'd play yep. the coasters freeze whatever it's supposed to be one matchup per hour and then okay. if your if your team was on the broadcast court you'd play one individual game at a time so you'd send up have seven different games to squeeze into that one hour gotcha. um we learned pretty quickly that that went that the first hour matchup took about would you say rich like two hours uh, it was it was show. close to an hour and a half before everybody figured out that you had four teams playing at the same time. So we right. had to wait for every single game, just like if we were doing rounders. They have to finish the rounds before we start the next one. Right. Um, it was it was a, definitely a, a bad call in a sense to just play it out the way they did. Because after that first one, they didn't know broadcast after that one. It just it dragged on way too long. Yeah. So like right. our first matchup, we sent all seven teams up at once and played them all. And then, like the let's, I think Emily's team was one of, that was on the broadcast first, and they had to play each game individually. So we were done in no less than twenty minutes, while they took an hour and a half to finish their matchup. Well, some teams played like three matches, and some played two, and it was just it was like a different. You know, we when you look at the standings, some teams are whatever three and zero, and some are zero and two or whatever. But uh, you know, we had our regional going on at the same time, so we were actually we had the kind of the ACL kind of score zone up, and we were kind of cheering for all our you know all you guys pretty much. Uh, you, you know, for your teams to see how you guys were doing. So there's a lot of buzz about it. So there's definitely interest in the actual teams format itself, but 
it was just uh I, I think for the first weekend other than the broadcast on the tv it was just kind of a little confusion on when teams were playing and who they were playing and how that was all working out well, well definitely and there was a lot of confusion in that for even the players we had really no clue to how long it was going to take for like i was saying before like i have done this before and it yep. It's usually very smooth because you would have your lineups of like I wouldn't say you have your lineups. That's we have some guys that we, we know who we're gonna play again, you know, play with each other, and then we're gonna send them on, you know, game one, game two, game three, game four, and we'll set up our lineup that way. It's it's not like we get to pick what team if we're playing. Let's say another team that uh, we could pick our guys and play that team specifically, like those that matchup team, like players. Um, it's kind of like a random draw, you know. Right. Uh, so in in that sense, uh, the games were all played at the same time. It wasn't like we did one game at a time because it right. does drag on too long. We, we have usually a it, we should have some sort of realistic time frame because sitting around after the, finishing our rounds in fifteen minutes, our whole team's done, and now we're supposed to go over to the broadcast and watch four different teams play off and you know one game right. at a time. It was it was too much. Yeah. What was the That's overall we like boom media feeling song. for you? Yeah, go ahead, Bruce. Yep. Well, I was just going to say, flu. We were able to run three games simultaneously and and manage that. I was just thinking about turf wars, where running matches simultaneously in this one match at a time concept. I mean, I don't want. Well, to I think they want the time. one match at a time for the broadcast, right? So they want to be able to showcase every player that's on the team, to, so that they kind of get their TV time. Right, yeah, that was their goal. That's the, yeah, that's the goal behind that. Why we also yeah. run the rounders too, so to help speed up these games, but still, it, it only goes so fast, and especially when they try to incorporate this new time clock. Well, you know, the 12-second time clock uh, once bags start throwing, um, just to speed it up, kind of like everything else. Uh, it, it will work, but it's not exactly enforced quite yet. Because, I mean, even if you watch the CBS, there's a couple occasions where you'll see the clock hit zero if, if you can see it in the, in the screen and players are still tossing bags. Well, that's funny, too, because I'm going to be one of the officials. And I don't know. I thought I was just doing ESPN broadcast. So I don't know if they had the officials on for the CBS broadcast as well. So I'll be curious to see how that works out. But. All right. So I think the official rule is like you have your 12 seconds in between throws. And if you run over that 12 seconds and you your team still has timeouts remaining, then when right, you're yeah, against forfeited. Yep. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it, it'll affect you accordingly towards singles. You get three. I think doubles, you get four. Yeah. Um, it's in singles. You have 60 seconds uh, of like a break in between to pick up your bags and assess yourself before you start throwing in doubles. You have 45 seconds to get ready. And then mm-hmm. once that first bag is sent, it goes right into your shot clocks of uh, they start around, start going off at 12 seconds at a time. Yeah. Well, well if I think I can... one of the things that Bruce, you said too, this is what going back to what you said, there was like, it was anticlimactic, right? Like I was the just team's say that. format was, was it's cool to kind of root for your team. And obviously we're going to root for, even though I'm a woodchuck, I'm going to root for Bushway. I'm going to root for Stickney. I'm going to root for Petoskey or Emily Downer. Uh, anyone who bought us, any of our wicked cornhole players, but you felt that it was kind of anticlimactic, right? Like watching it on TV, it was cool to see them play, but you didn't really know what you were rooting for other than the team. Exactly. And, and, you know, I want this to succeed. I've, you know, I've been a fan of team based cornhole and, and I, I get the concept, but let's be honest. Zach went up when you had already lost the, as a team, right? I think you were down. We were uh, down. Uh, we lost four to one. I mean, four the- to one, right? Yeah. yeah. So if you're just a viewer 
and you're attempting to root for a particular team. And I, of course, I'm rooting for you. I, I, I tuned in to watch you because I know you and, you know, you're our friend. But if you're if you're an ESPN or a cornhole viewer that doesn't have a dog in the fight, you want to love the team concept because, well, you'll root for the team from your region. So if I'm from Texas and I'm interested in cornhole, I'm going to be rooting for, for Texas. And if I don't know anybody in this and if I don't have any any friends in here, I'm going to I'm going to root for the Woodchucks. You know, they're going to be my team, right? Like the Celtics, the Patriots and the Bruins are our are, are team. But it was so hard to buy into that because the only reason I watched Zach was because, well, you were playing. You had already lost. So if I'm a, if I'm even going to attempt to, like, be a Texas Bully Baggers fan, it's already inconsequential and anticlimactic to even watch your match. And I'm not trying to cut you down to your match. I'm just saying the fan. All right. So like what's happening here? And that's why I'm saying the simultaneous um, broadcast that, that like Flume did or, you know, versus one match at a time, it's already done. It's not even like a, a blowout where, where you might want to stay tuned in in case your team comes back. Hey Bruce, can I butt in? Yeah. Um, so what you're talking about is it gets anticlimactic, especially if like for us and we went, we lost, you know, if that four and one situation happens, exactly. there's no way of us physically getting that win and turning it around. But exactly. to make the game interesting, they're giving us incentives to do so. And uh, every win is supposed to accumulate money for the team. So it's not just about going out there saying yeah. you've already lost. You're, it's four and one. We should just walk off the courts now. It's, no, I understand. It's, I, it's for the extra. I, I understand. And I want to be clear. I understand that's how it works. I am trying to be the devil's advocate and be, be the viewer. I'm trying to be the fan. And honestly, does a fan really give a rat's ass if you're, you know, if it's going to help your, your prize pool? We, we as a fan, speaking as a fan, a potential fan, we're, we're trying to root for a team. The concept of the Texas Bully Baggers is to get people to root for your team and to watch you go on to some sort of championship and be the greatest team around or something. Me personally, I rooted for you. I, I, I know how the rules work. But there's only very few of us that care about any of you as individual players and that are going to understand the rules. But if we're going to grow the national stage, the national viewership, and if we're going to get behind the team concept as viewers and as fans, it's like all the other sports, right? It's wins and losses. There's, there's a championship and then there's the greatest team around. Well, and, I could add more to this if you like. No, I, so I wish you here's, would. He, so here's here's the other concept of the two, because, I mean, now we're getting new into DraftKings and all this. And I haven't personally looked into anybody just to just to oversee it. But how do you know that each game you can't you, what if you're just following a certain player on each team and you're betting on these particular players? The incentive is still there for that player to still play. And you have your chance of getting that that money turnaround because, you know, let's be honest, this this is a, this is a sport. It's there is interest in gambling and that gets you more viewers. And that keeps the game very interesting and bigger, bigger sponsors will come along if you can get those those guys that want to put money down on this game absolutely i i have i have no doubt that the DraftKings and the gamblers are the base people that are following specific players and their journey or the gamblers won't have something to do with this i i don't dispute that at all i um i mean as you may or may not know i'm rooting for cornhole as a sport and the acl who 
is trying to grow as a recognizable and legit professional sport, that there's a certain amount of, of things that have been successful for the other sports, no matter what they are basketball, baseball, football, hockey, wrestling, anything, name a sport. There's some there's some traditional things about it that brings in the fans and brings in people that would otherwise have no interest. And there's a most of your fans, most of your viewership for these other sports do not come aren't limited to the gamblers. They're not limited to the people that are personal fans of the the players. There's an audience to be had that comes from a specific region that's going to root for that region. Much like I'm a Celtics fan, Rich. I'm a huge Celtics fan. I have never bet on a professional sport and I do not know one single Celtic personally and I don't give a rat's ass what happens to them off the court. I don't know them. I don't care. I'm a Celtics fan. I'm a Patriots fan. I'd never bet on the Patriots. I don't I don't gamble on the Patriots. I'm not against it. I just don't. I love watching a team that I don't know anybody on the team that I can root for because I love the sport and I have a team that I can root for. And to me, that's where viewership and that's what fills the stands and that's what gets the viewers going. And when you have a concept that is regionalizing cornhole, and creating teams a la New England Woodchucks. Well, isn't that theoretically supposed to make the people that love cornhole and want to watch it and root for a team from New England be able to watch and view it? And I just, I'm just, if the suggestion box is open for the ACL, I'm just saying that I would have a hard time buying in as a fan. I don't gamble. And if I did not know you or Zach Stickney, or any of the players personally, yet I love the game of cornhole, I would have a well, hard time buying in. Well, you're 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 talking about almost like the same situation. We were down four to one. You know, right. you lost interest. You knew you knew exactly what the rules were in this game. And it we you kind of you can't really count us back in with the game's over. Right. You know? It's it's like it's like being at a Red Sox game. You know, they're down ten to one. You know, it's a seventh inning, you know, they, they stop serving alcohol. You have no reason to stick around any longer because you can already you're almost already counting them out, you know, and then you tune in on the radio as you drive away. You know, I I can I can understand the situation, but that that comes with all sports. You know, it's it's they this the uh, it's there's a way of making profit for the guys that are interested in making money. There we there's a chance of watching some great gameplay in those last two games, whether they mean something to you because you already know the game's over. Um, you know, you're supporting Zach by watching him play. You you I did am. that because what because you didn't you didn't count him out. You know, you you wanted to see him perform and do his best on the the live camera. Absolutely. And that's why I did it. And I'm proud to say I did. I'm just saying, I mean, your analogy was almost right there, but I liken it more like to if it is the semifinals in the NBA playoffs and it's a best of seven series and the Celtics beat the Knicks four to one in the series. In five games, they won, but for some reason, because it can draw um, more fans to another game or whatever, they still have a game six, even though the Celtics already won four to one. Do, do those tickets sell out? Do we all tune in like we did for the first five games as fans because they have that sixth game? And that's that's what well, I'm speaking to. And I'm truly not trying to to be insulting or, or, or be negative. I 
I just think there's there's ways to present the competition that could keep people captivated. I will forever be captivated, Rich. I well, I Bruce, I'd, follow you on, on that note. Though you were, you were talking about the whole idea of um, you know the being down in the series, you know, it's four to one. The, the series is over. Um, right. You're absolutely correct. But because this team thing is really new and unless they can kind of incorporate the team event itself into one-on-one matches. So you get down the series line and say, Oh, it's over. Um, it, it's, it's, where it's still developing. It's not quite there yet, but I could definitely oh. seeing it going down that road. But until they can say that we're only doing one, one-on-ones, it's just, it, they got up, they want to play it out. So everybody is playing seven games for now and see how that, you know, incorporates itself later on because, uh, I, you, you're, you're right on the ball. It's just, we're not quite there yet. It's just, it's new in the testing of the test, you know, the test of the waters, see what's going on. Absolutely. I did like the, I did like the whole draft format and the whole live draft. Yep. I think that was great. I think that brought a lot of kind of buzz to the whole team's format and, and then to kind of get some directors that are from your area to kind of get behind them so that you could kind of get your, you know, players and your league players that are local to like the woodchucks to get behind the woodchucks. I thought that all that was great. So I think that was all a, a, a great kind of a start to the team's format. My only complaint really the past weekend was I saw the woodchucks were playing three different teams, but I had no idea as to when they were playing them and that type of thing other than the broadcast stuff. But I think if that was laid out a little more, um, you kind of spelled out as to what was going on with that, I think that would have been huge. But I think that the team's format is going to be a huge, a huge deal for the ACL for sure. I agree, and I, and I I don't want to be mistaken for poo pooing and being critical. I'm just hoping this judging box open. For, yeah, I, I no, will also sure. say, regardless of whether or not we were watching our friend Zach or or Emily, who I'd later see on Sunday in in a in a in a match that was essentially not playing for the win because they were already down. Um, our our friend Nick Petusky did a great job bringing, um, I'm sorry, Carolina Coasters is who, who yeah. he's with? Okay. Yeah. So it's sort of be clear on that. So the, the watching the talent and watching good cornhole was not lacking, regardless of whether, whether or not we're, we're doing it. I'm just, I'm just trying to say if there are, if it is a team concept and if the general fans from a, a region are going to get behind it, I'm just hoping the suggestion box is open. Not that everybody listens to to wait what Bruce Taylor is saying, but I'm trying to offer the fan experience. And as a fan of the game and not a fan of Zach Stickney, um, I I found I like you said I found it to be anticlimactic. He threw great bags. I'm proud of him. He looked great on TV and and all of that stuff. But if I didn't know him, then I would not have tuned in. And I'm a cornhole fan. Just to be fair, I would have oh, you know even if I'm even if I'm a Texas Bully Baggers fan. And I see that the, it's already been determined. I'm just trying to say, why would I watch? And that brings up my next thing, Sean. I think I want to see some standings. If I'm if I'm rooting for a team, like my favorite team, I'm from New England. I want to root for the New England Woodchucks. Where can I go and find their standings? And like, how does it play out? Like, so you can find. I don't on even the ACL's know. Website. Yeah, I did find them on the ACL so website. So the wood. Yeah. So yeah, the Woodchucks were one in. Uh, was it one in? One and two. Yeah, your so, record's one and two. Yeah. So yeah. who's the top team? Like who's the best team in the in the in the league? So there's right four teams that are tied for first: the yeah. Arizona Burn, Cali Slingers, Missouri Maze, and Texas Bullybaggers. So we're all that's where it get, one. got confusing yeah. to me too. Is that like some teams played four games, 
Um, some played three. It was just, I, I, and I know it's going to, you know, kind of work itself out as the season goes then, but it was just kind of a, no one really knew what was going on other than the broadcast teams that were being played. Yeah, and, and, and nobody knew, well, I don't want to say nobody, you all just told me, but nobody knew what happened. I'm sure I could have scoured the ACL website and, and dug up the answer you all just gave yeah. me. But yeah. I just wish it was yeah. laid out a little bit better, but that's all. Yeah. And just I do like the format and I think it's cool. And I think that's uh we can still all get kind of behind our yep. our team. The concept is wonderful. Players. The yes. concept yep. is wonderful. And again, I'm just trying to be the devil's advocate. It was the first weekend of it, right? This was the first time it got launched. It was. Yeah. And yep. you know, nothing I want to ask Tickney and I wanna ask I wanna ask Bushway about their thoughts on the ACL video game. Let's go. Come on, you guys have played it. So I hadn't played it up until the weekend. They had it set up right outside the broadcast court, so I yeah. played a game against Ian for a couple of rounds. Um, I thought it was it was hard for sure. It's definitely yeah. harder than I thought it would have been. Um, I I actually did the same time as you, Zach. I, I played it. I threw three bags, and the the for me, I I could understand it. It was it's simple. Like if you're familiar with golf games, it really comes down to just pulling back straight on a joystick and going forward. And that was just off the, uh, I don't know what it was at Xbox or PlayStation. There's yeah, one of the two. I couldn't even tell you. Um, but it, it seems like an easy concept. It definitely is. You, you have to build up experience throughout the game, but I, I don't have enough input to, to criticize it or, or amp it up because I, the three or four bags I've thrown is not an experience really to, you know, to, to help anybody or, or help people buy into it. My th- my thought was you guys have fun playing it. If you had fun playing it, then that's that's all that matters. But yeah, I'm with you, Rich. It's like once you master kind of the kind of the joystick throw, and you can get in every time. So it's just uh, kind of figuring that stuff out. But I, I thought I it was feel fun. like it's one of those games we're gonna take advantage of having a multiplayer and playing against friends and stuff yes. Like that. Well, that's that's what's gonna be key is when you can yeah. get multiplayers involved. You can get kind of. Um, where you buy season passes or like they do the, the different type of things and you get bonuses for buying. They can make, you know, they can make it work with that. I think. Right. Other you sports know. games, they have like the, my career kind of thing. Right. Where you exactly. Make yep. Your own player yep. and run through a season. Yeah. You can buy the woodchucks hat if you want for your player, that type of thing. Yep. And I think that will, you know, multiplayer will definitely be huge for that. Mike, I think of I think about like real cornhole players. Are they necessarily going to have an advantage on the video game, or do video gamers tend to dominate this regardless of how good they are at cornhole? How does it work in golf? Do good golf players become good virtual golf players, or is a gamer a gamer and uh, real athletes a real athlete, or or who's who's going to be good at at the cornhole game? On on the I think at um, the end of, at the end of the day, a gamer is going to be a gamer. Um, like I said, it's similar to playing golf on, on a video game, um, which I, I do every now and then, but it gets boring. Cause like you said, once you master it, you just joystick back, joystick up, you're hitting perfect shots with golf. It, it benefits you to know golf because you have to know different shots and different club selections. It's like the language of it is a little bit different. I gotcha. So, all right. So cornhole might be the same thing. Players may not know what an airmail is or what a push shot or what the spin rate means. But I think once you figure it out and you get that touchdown, it's just going to be rinse and repeat. You're doing the same thing over and over again. All right. I, um, I have another question for Zach and Bushway. I know we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, but I was kind of getting your opinions and your thoughts on the whole Devin Harbaugh bag situation, which I know a lot of people on Facebook were kind of saying that the ACL is to blame. 
which they're not. They have the rules laid out, and I think it's up to the players. And as someone who potentially lost two hundred plus dollars because Harbaugh didn't win the singles championship, I'm just curious how a top tier pro player can go into a tournament like that and not have an one not have a TV ready set of bags, and two his last three games I think he threw three completely different sets of bags, not just sets of bags, but different brand or they were BGs, but I think he threw Wizards and do you throw Warlocks in another game or? I'm not sure. Before, what he threw the last I, before you answer, Zach, just so the 19.8 million people understand, you filled in some blanks, but what happened? I'd love to hear Zach's so, reactions. I so I don't even know Devin Harbaugh. Yeah, so basically you know, Devin Harbaugh, what? he played three, two or three games on TV, um, and he couldn't throw his own bags because his the bags that he threw didn't meet the TV requirements, which is that they both have to be the same color on both sides, and the front has to be at least 50 or 55% of the main color. So he had to borrow someone else's bags for his semifinal game. He won that one with their bags, goes to the finals, and the bags that he was borrowing were too similar in color to Justin Burton's bags. So then he had to go borrow someone else's bag. So he's literally getting bags out of the crowd to throw a nationally televised ESPN match for the overall championship of the weekend, which to me is crazy that these pros aren't coming prepared with at least two sets of TV ready bags from their sponsors and the bags that they throw. So, I mean, that to me, that was just crazy to see and think that he's switching bags every game and he's not even throwing his own bags. It's not even like he couldn't throw his favorite bags. He was literally going to people in the crowd trying to find bags that could work in between games. Crazy. Thank you. I didn't know that. So, Zach or Rich. Yeah, so the ACL has had this rule for a while, at least a couple of years, where you have to have the same colored bags front and back to meet the TV requirements. It also has to be like 50% of the same color on the same on the main side. So like you can't have any crazy designs on the bag. It kind of has to be plain. Um, I saw Devin did chime in on a post. Um, he he said he should have been. It's not his. It's not the ACL's fault. It's his. Um, he wasn't blaming anyone but himself. He said he'll come prepared to the next national. Um, he should have known the rules up front and prepared for that. I kind of ran into the same situation last year at Worlds when I was on ESPN for juniors. My red bags were the same color as the other kid I was throwing against. So I had to change bags. So I went to my backup set of Vipers which happened to be two colors, so those got denied to be on TV. So then I had to go pull a set of bags from the crowd to throw. And as I recall, I mean, at least I think it was Trey calling it. Um, he pointed that out and how it affected you. I think you were you had a couple throws where you were trying to go lower on the board because they were a little faster yeah. adjusting, and you you hit the front a couple times Yeah. as a result of that. And I think you've been kicking yourself in the ass a little bit since. Yeah, just trying to figure yeah. it out and a couple yeah. down the backs. It, it's it's tough. Well, for so what like, it's worth, I had the same problem at six hundred three Cornhole League, so I understand your plight. We're we're very similar, Zach. I, I, I getting used to new bags that you don't you know throws us all off. Like you could see how Devin adjusted to those the, the first game he played against Jacob when he was down. He finally figured out the bags, and then he came back and won. Um, and then there was a point in the next game where he had to change bags again. He was down. And it looked like he was starting to come back and figure out the bags as he was adjusting. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Both of his games, he spotted 10, 12 points. Well, clearly there was an adjustment period. Right. And you, you didn't see Devin with. go out there complaining on Facebook about the conditions. He Exactly. Yeah. He owned yeah, up yeah, to it. I would say I, I saw adjust. his comment. He, he definitely owned up to it and took the blame. 
but yeah, it's just one of those things where he was, he's been the hottest shooter in the country probably for months now, I feel like. And I was following along on the brackets because I did bet on him. Like I said last week and the, his bracket final, he beat Matt guy 21, nothing. So clearly yeah. he was on a roll. He was steamrolling everybody. And then for him to go into those two games and he's down 10 points is, is a huge deal where if he was throwing the same bags that he was throwing all day, he's probably walking out of there as a singles champ. Yep. And it's not like Matt guy rolled over either. He shot like a 10, five, three over 17 yeah. or 18 I think it was rounds. like, a, it was like a 10, eight or something. It was crazy. Yeah. And he got shut out. So Rich, how was, um, how was your experience out in Corpus Christi? Uh, the experience was uh, really, really good. I mean, I, you know, when you go down these events, you, really isn't a vacation these things are just it's 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 work it's straight work you go in nine o'clock in the morning you, you throw bags for hours and hours and hours maybe get an hour or two break to get some food and then you go back to it before you know it it's 10 11 o'clock at night yeah i heard i also heard that zach sickney had to spend like 11 dollars on a hot dog or something it's not, it wasn't a cheap trip either was it <laughs> god <laughs> food no. in these venues can be expensive it was a hot dog a small bag of chips and a drink for 14 bucks like you eat that and well, you're still hungry <laughs> wait wait to get of age that drink and the way they would eat dollars a beer or 11 dollars for a single uh, mixed drink <laughs> I don't think Zach's waiting to get to be of age. I don't. He doesn't seem like he's ever going to drink. Are you looking forward to being 21 and start drinking? Doesn't excite me. Yeah, I, I I think he's. I predict him to stay focused. I think he looks around at all of us and says, "Hey, I'm glad I don't do that." <laughs> it could be wrong. There but, was um, a post that Matt guy put out there that was he was comparing his stats when he was drinking versus when he was sober. And he was talking about how he uh, wants to clear up, but it's kind of hard because it takes away from his game just because it relaxes him. So some people yeah. need that. So he better drunk better drinking? Drinks. He yeah. throws better drinking. Well, currently, if you looked at his stats prior, before he started drinking, you just it's hard to just cold turkey and just play because it's a different focus. You know, you, you have some drinks, you're comfortable, and it's really hard to maintain that comfort level. Um, it's just like anything else. Um <clears throat> but uh yeah but it, going back to corpus anyway that the the venue was it was it was really cool they had a lot of boards we were able to practice quite a bit which is really cool you don't get out of the you don't get that a lot of in the different venues we yep. had 96 96 sets i believe they were set up so there was always a couple of boards here and there that you could go warm up on uh i think this next venue we we're looking at to go to where we, we're gonna have like half the boards so right. it's gonna be kind of a little little yeah, tough there's no shortage of practice boards at all so it's nice to just get in there and warm up wherever that's cool where's next rich oh man uh next one uh, erie pennsylvania erie i'm gonna be there i'm there i thought it was portland maine Portland, oh, yeah, Oregon that's... is the third one. No, I'm talking about two weeks from now is the Northeast <laughs> Conference. Yes. Well, the Bruce, next big we, uh, pro one's eerie. Before we get off topic, um, uh, give a shout out to Burgess and Regan taking out a big win. Yes. Zach, Zach were you there to witness that one? or so I was playing in my own team's event, but I uh, I heard how that game went. And uh, I was, yes. it was awesome to so hear. He took down, uh, they took down Jamie Graham and James Baldwin, right? I've heard of those two. They must be good. Yeah, definitely a big win. And I heard there was a little controversy at the end of the game there. Controversy? Controversy. Yeah. What happened? I I heard there was a little bit of drama after um, people being told they were playing the game that they shouldn't be and that they shouldn't be taking risky shots in a round-limited format. 
people are going to do what they got to do to score points. And I think Mark Burgess took advantage of a shot. He hit it, made the other player miss, and they got a little upset. So just to be clear, it wasn't a teammate saying that they, they made a bad shot. It, it was, was the someone opponent. Who, someone who lost said that the opponent took too risky of a shot to win the game. Yep. Interesting. <laughs> kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier with some of the top pros being bad losers a little yeah. bit. Well, yeah. Which it's a little different than being up 20 points in a basketball game and doing a dunk as the clock expires. But to hit a, a 10th round shot to win the game, I feel like you shouldn't get mad at an opponent doing that unless you want them to blow the shot so you win. Right. Well, well, aren't we all supposed to play at the highest level? You know, if, if there's an hole, if there's an opening, and I mean, we all we've all witnessed Burgess take these shots. He he, he shoots air mill for fun. Um, but if he hits this air mill, that means there's an opening. He's got to follow up. That's part of the game. Yeah, and I mean, if he misses the air mill, then it makes his opponent's shot easier. So he should be happy. He's just mad that the shot was hit. Because if he had laid up with a block, then that makes his life harder. So. It's one of those he he wants it both ways. He wants you to to make it easy for him, but as soon as he hit the shot that kind of clinched the game, he got upset. It sounds like their way or no way. All right, I want to clear out the elephant in the room. All right, right now coming in, coming in hot. Going to leave? No, nope. <laughs> Justin okay. Burton Jr. Singles, doubles champion, and then he had Zach Stickney as a pro blind draw partner. What happened, Zach? Come it on, was. you guys got third yeah. in your bracket. I know <laughs> it was our, we were in the loser bracket game, the loser final. I had a uh, airmail to win it. Instead of hitting the airmail to win it, I knocked in uh, Alex Six's bag and mine bounced off the back. That's so awesome. Done the win. I mean, it was tied he up 1919. He was on some sort of roll that whole weekend and to for you to partner up with him. And I mean, you guys got third in your bracket. I think yep. it was a thousand bucks that you guys got just for that yeah. so that's huge like that's well, like, awesome uh 10 minutes before the blind draw started i was warming up with emily and yep. uh i said i wouldn't want to be the person that draws uh justin burton and ruins his clean sweep for the weekend <laughs> sure enough, i got that text and i'm like that no pressure you. here yep. i love it i love it that's awesome though good for you <laughs> now you know what i feel like every time i'm like i don't want tony smith as a blind draw partner i don't want tony smith <laughs> and i get the text every time and i'm like well i just ruined tony's night <laughs> That's Sorry, we had stuff. a good time shooting. Um, it came down to that one shot, so it is what it is. All good. So but... he's a cool story. He's a rookie, right? Yep, he's uh, 20 years old. He's actually from Texas, so he defended his home turf all weekend long. That's great. That's a great story. And how, how do you feel about him? I mean, it must be inspiring. You Absolutely. Know, rookie comes along, and now he's... Uh arguably the greatest player in the world at the moment and yeah currently ranked number yeah. one in singles number one in doubles um he's kind of come out of nowhere the last couple of months you've heard his name here and there um it was the weekend before he went to this big triple crown tournament and he took the clean sweep there he won the singles doubles and the blind draw against some of the top pros and then he came to the first pro national did this, almost did the same thing well i'm going to put you on the spot with a question because you two are very similar right you're same age you're both rookie acl pros and and he seems like a great dude as as are you what does he you must be reflecting on the past weekend as a matter of fact you told me are and you you're going to practice extra hard you had to set up the boards again after work today and 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 get more hours in but when you're reflecting what would you say he's got that you don't got what would you say you need to do to get to his level since i wouldn't say i don't have it but i'd say i need to get stronger mentally i feel like this game is very focused on your mental game 
And to be like. clear, I, I might have shown my age. What does he have that you ain't got is more or less a saying or a cliche, not a pointing out a failure on your part. But it, it was more of a, a cliche statement. Yeah. But, so you think his mental game yeah, might, be, just, might be more just... elevated, his level of confidence, his his ability to to overcome the mental aspect of things and, and stuff would be... Right. He, he's just able to remain very calm at all the at uh, all time um he came through his doubles bracket this partner and they actually double dipped jimmy humans and Kamalone. and you never saw any worry in his face he was relaxed calm the whole time um he doesn't second guess himself when he's going through like for a shot like an airmail or a push through anything like that like when i go back and watch that last game we played i second guessed that airmail instead of just shooting it so i need to be more confident with my shots well, I would like to share something with you. I've played opposite boards, and I'm I might be your biggest fan in the world. So I've seen a lot of you. Um, one might think that you're in a phase. You don't you don't show anything but poise. You don't really show lack of confidence. And if you throw a bad shot, you seem to gather yourself. So you project the same way that you're saying he is. Just for I just feel like coming more. into that. Yeah, I feel like coming to that first pro event though. I got. A little bit of nerves, whereas he didn't, and he's the rookie he probably as well. Had more, yes. Yeah. He had the home court advantage, a little more comfort zone, a little more people behind him, maybe a little little edge for himself. Right. Yep. Where you had to spend well, thousands of dollars to even get there into a foreign land, and you're eating fourteen dollar <laughs> hot dogs, and had the pressure of the national stage on Friday night. So yeah, d- different mental factors. Well, that's the thing well, about you- these events too, is that you might not hear his name again through the rest of the season, right? So it's Maybe he had a great weekend. And then, you know, the next couple of pro events, maybe he doesn't hit the board at all. So uh, that's that's the whole thing. The beauty about this whole kind of ACL yeah. cornhole pro tour is that anyone could step up and win. I, I know the whole cliche is anyone can win or whatever, which we know is not true. But, you know, maybe someone else steps up next time and maybe you don't hear his name again. I mean, he was on his home turf and he had a great weekend and maybe we don't hear from him the rest of the season. But that's what's interesting about this whole game is, you know, Matt Guy is going to make his name, you know, relevant, you know, throughout the season. He's probably going to win an event here and there. So... And there's a ton of great players out there. And I Bushway, too, for you. I mean, coming into these events and you see all these guys like that. And, like, do you go into these events, like, just throw the best that you can and then see what happens? I mean, how do you approach these events knowing that, you know, like, you got you got to go against guys like Matt Guy and, and, and those type of players that are kind of have the public, you know, as, as really, you know. Yeah. The recognition. Crazy players. Yeah, yeah exactly. the recognition. How do you, uh, being a pro, you got to face these guys. How do you come into these events, which is. Well, you got to first off, the, you just got to approach it and just, you're, you're a pro. You yep. you can't let their name intimidate you. You got to play your game. Um, yep. I'm, I'm not walking on a board and telling myself that I'm going to out throw Matt Guy. You know what I mean? I'm not going to throw, you know, right. you know, countless four baggers. You know, yeah. I'm going to play my game and my game consists of, you know, a messy board. You know, and if he drains all his airmail shots, I'm sure he's probably going to beat me. But if he misses, that's where I have to capitalize. And it it goes with any of these pros nowadays. I, I like to play more of a, a strategic game. You know, if if someone's going to slide all day, I got to I got to get in the way. Let them knock me in over and over again, you know, until they they falter and miss. You know, uh, 
if someone wants to block, that's my game. Now I can go around them. I can push, I could slide around, you know, cut. If I need to do the air mills, then I'll go up and get them. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's more so like what Zach was talking about. It's just trying to stay calm and collect. You can't psych yourself up before you get to the match because this game is really mental. If, if yeah. you're not focusing, you're going to be all over the place. You miss one or two bags in this, in this kind of field. You know, because everybody's shooting tens plus now PPR. If you if yeah. you're coming down with a low nine, t- you you're probably gonna lose this game. You know, unless you are mucking it up. You know, you you if you're gonna shoot hole to hole and you're you're hitting tens, you've lost. They, there's guys that are shooting eleven plus on you just because they're they're gonna run bags on you all day long. It's right. an insane playing field now. Yeah, that's why I was asking. I mean, it's so tough. I mean, look at some of the names that are out there. I mean, I mean. Tony and Jacob and Hisner and Cody and I mean, there's just the the it's just so deep well, and and well, now you got now can... you got Justin Burton Jr. You know well, yeah, exactly now you got him so, and so there's, Ryan Winfield. Like, but here's the thing yeah. is that it's so many players that you don't even know. Every one right. of these pros pretty much now can come out of the gate and throw multiple four baggers back to back to back. It you it, it you know yep. back in the day it usually wasn't like that. It, it, people right. would play more strategic, you know, a little bit, but now it's becoming more of a slide game. People are really going into faster bag material, so they're running bags on you. It's really just trying to stay calm and focused. As soon as you start second guessing yourself, you probably have already you're you're probably gonna miss. It's just it's it's just taking your breaths and just following the strokes, getting the bags in the way, going going in and putting the pressure on the other guy. Because I mean, me and Zach, we're pros. We we know we have we've done this. We've been in the spotlight now a little bit. You know, it's just figuring out a couple extra things to stay mentally sharp. Yeah, I definitely took some yeah. points away from this week on what I need to get better at and how I need to improve. But like, it depends on the day and how you're gonna do. Because you got some of the top players in the world that don't have a great finish. Like, um, for example, Frank Maudlin and Cheyenne Bubenheim. They went 0-2 in pro doubles, which is no one expected that. Everyone expected them to be a top 10 team coming into the, the uh, season. So it's like anyone, literally anyone can play, anyone can win. Everyone has their days. Everyone has their weekends. It's just who's on top of their game at that day. Yeah, and the cornhole so at the pro level so reminds me of like NASCAR. At the, the like that you got guys that do well at certain tracks and then you may not hear from them the rest of the season and then they'll sneak up and do uh, like cornhole to me is the same type of type of thing uh, you got guys that are could sneak up and win any event and it just if they have a great weekend they can do it if not then it's not their day but i mean that there's just a just a sea of names that can win and you guys are in that that sea of names as well that we could have a great weekend and and sneak one of these wins so i mean uh, wishing you guys the best of luck and obviously we always root for you guys and anyone that's up here in the northeast that's a pro we definitely root for uh the northeast as chairman of the boards even though i'm rooting for the woodchucks and uh, nothing against you guys but <laughs> but it's, it's all right you if, if you go back to the recap and see what happened to the woodchucks last time you know i'm, I'm not gonna yep, say yep. anything the points don't yep. lie <laughs> yep no no for sure so but i mean this is it's 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 so wide open the acl pro division is so wide open at this point i mean like you said justin burton jr came out and and kind of rolled this weekend but who's to say that uh, Bushway or Stickney doesn't roll the next event? So anything could happen. And uh, appreciate you guys joining us. It was awesome. It's a lot of good insight for sure. Very much so. We're excited to have this new segment 
And Zach, thanks for hanging in there with us tonight. I know you had a very long trip, a very long day at work because we were there for it. And the idea that you would stay up to this very late hour and uh, fill us in, it means a lot. So thanks for having me. Thank you. And Rich, great having you on, bud. And great to see you. And thank you very much. We appreciate your insight and we're rooting for you, man. You're uh, definitely a local favorite around here. And we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and share with us your experience and your insight. So thank you very much. Oh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I have to thank Bruce and Mike, Stacy, Sean, Zach. You know, it's it's a it's a pleasure to be on the show with you guys. I try to give a little bit of input when I can. I mean, it's just like anything else I try to do. I, I really go around and I play the game for the just the joy of playing. I practice through these blind draws. You know, I come out and I have fun. I like to throw some bags, you know, and I... And I, I try to give pointers when I can, you know, it's it's hard to help everybody when you go out. Absolutely. I would say and, Bushway is one of the old school, like Northeast kind of pros, right? I mean, who yeah. else is, uh, yeah, you know, the, when, when you uh, think the original of cornhole the coach. Veteran, the cornhole coach, yeah. He's yeah. been a mentor to many. I've certainly learned a lot from shooting the shit with him. And uh, are we going to see you up in Portland? Are you coming up to the conference in two um, weeks? Yes, I, I'm, I'm actually doing, I'm doing both conferences where we have our, we have the conference in Portland and the following week after is our state. Um, right. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be both of those conferences are kind of important. This is the last of them, at least in this area. And then we'll be awesome. down in uh, Tiverton the following week. It's all yep. boom, boom, boom. Yep. It is a lot of cornhole, a lot of bags to be thrown. Yeah. So, and Bushway, this is your third year as a pro? Third as a pro, but if if we count the PDC because they want to classify PDC as a uh, a pro situation, this is going on four. Okay. Yeah, we we here at Chairman of the Boards consider PDC pro, by the way. Yeah. So yeah, for what that's worth, as the authorities on cornhole, <laughs> PDC is pro. Well, then that, that's four in the books. You have four <laughs> in the books. You are a local legend. There is no doubt yeah. about it. Bushway definitely old school. The, the, one of the guys you think of when, when, yeah, when ACL first started out and pro the Bushway is one of the guys that's uh, right there. So for sure. Yeah. And again, thanks again to Zach, because one of the things that we're excited to bring with you live, and I don't mean in the moment on the show, but throughout the whole season is, is Zach's rookie experience. I mean, it's a first time for him touring the world as a rookie ACL pro and, and the idea that he would join our show regularly to talk about those experiences. I think it's something that's, that's admirable and enviable and something that we're, we're all looking forward to continue to learn. So hopefully there's a lot more $13 hot dogs in your future and a lot of great <laughs> experiences that you can share with us, Zach. So thank you. Well, Zach, I hope you take something out of these events. You know, every event you go to, for me personally, I learn something every time I go out to these nationals. It's it's such a good experience to throw against everybody, even when you're not playing in games and you're warming up on boards. You know, go talk to somebody. You know, just taking a little knowledge. You know, as as me being around playing, I my game has developed from playing and watching these other guys throw. Personally, it's not the same feel watching on TV. You know. Or, you know, watching a live stream on something else. You have opportunity of one-on-one and, you know, not everybody's a jerk and, you know, self-centered. They'll give you some pointers if you're actually interested in, in learning something. Um, I just hope you make the, makes the experience much better for you and the following if you didn't enjoy yourself at this one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm already looking at the game in such a new aspect, like a different angle. Um, I definitely see 
different side of the game that I didn't see before. And I, I plan to take it all in and get better for the next one. Love you, Ryan. Yeah, and hope you reflect and, and pass some of your knowledge to the next guy because that's what helps the game grow. Absolutely. So with that, we're going to go ahead and land the plane. And please remind us of the winner of the contest. And uh, was, uh, let's... James Emery. It was James Emery? Yep. And what are we calling it? What you? This what did you choose there? Stick side down. Stick side down. And that was Stick Side Down, brought to you by Zach Stickney and the chairman of the board. So with that, let's go land this plane. It's super late and it's past our bedtime. So everybody have a good night. Thank you. Good night. Good night.